Welcome to Soulful Connections. I'm Amanda Solar, your host. I started this podcast because I believe when we share our thoughts, our stories, and experiences, we help one another to create more meaningful lives. And I also think that an important part of life revolves around our search for meaningful connection. That seems to only happen when we get real about who we are and we authentically share that. So listen in, try to answer these questions yourself, and let's connect. So today I'm here with Jenny Salisbury and Jenny is interim executive director of HealthLink. She is a mom to four boys. Um, As long as I've known Jenny, she's a very involved and dedicated community member. Um, Because back in the day, Jenny, I didn't remember this until you reminded me, but you either, did you work for a woman's place or volunteer for a woman's place? I worked because for place. You work. Okay. Because you were part of, my daughter was involved in this great program that they did. I don't know if they still do it, but for young girls. The uh, empowerment, the empowerment program for teens. The yes. Teen program. Yes. I loved that program. I thought that was really nice. So anyway, um, can you just share just a little bit about your journey and <laughs> see Look, the dog wanted to come in. Sneaky children. Oh, and and a note for me. I'm sorry. Oh my gosh, that's so nice. That is one of Jenny's sons who has a note for her. This is Harley. Hi, Harley. And he'd like to know if we should go to the movies. No. Oh, well, that's a great question. I mean, and should you? Uh, Is there something you'd like to see? Okay. (laughs) We'll decide. Does he want to see? He doesn't know what's out. He's just Oh, he doesn't know what's out. He just wants to see a random movie. Okay, so I'm going to ask you, like, what kind of movies does Harley like? Harley likes action movies. He loves Marvel movies. Okay. And Billy Madison, you know, so. And Billy Madison. He's got three older brothers, so sometimes it's hard to keep. And it's a nice range. It is. He he has a very eclectic range of of movie likes. So okay. So I usually ask this later on the podcast, but since we're already on the subject, what is your kind of movie? What kinds of movies do you like? Do you have a favorite movie? Um, I like action movies. I'm not a huge romance movie person. I don't like I don't like the chick flick romances. Um, and I love psychological thrillers but I don't like horror movies. So yes, like, I don't like horror, horror, I'm not interested in it, but if it's something more of a psychological thriller, then I enjoy that. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I can relate because I really don't want to see the person get killed. I don't need that. <laughs> um, so can you kind of describe <clears throat> your journey from, was a woman's place your first job like out of college? 
it wasn't my first job out of college. It was my first job in the nonprofit realm. Okay. Um, right when I got out of college, I actually went, I moved, I went to college in North Carolina and I moved to Pennsylvania after that. And I started working at um, Philadelphia Sports Club in Chalfont. Okay, right. I uh, was the assistant director of the swim program there. So I really didn't know what I wanted to do out of college. I just kind of yeah. grabbed yeah. the first thing that kind of came my way. I had been a swimmer for a long time and taught swim lessons all through high school and college. That was kind of my summer job. I was a lifeguard. Um, and so when I was looking for something, I just thought, well, I know how to do that. So let's see how it goes. And it wasn't it was a good introductory job just to kind of get an idea of what working in an office was like and working with other people and not making your own schedule, but it didn't really fill me. You. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you moved on to Owen's place and then you kind of ended up in the nonprofit world, right? Yes. And cause you ended up at Bucks County Community College too. Yep. So I've had a few different jobs in the nonprofit realm. I kind of like tripped and fell into it. Fundraising wasn't really something that they taught in school. Um, it was interesting. So when I went to Elon University and I started off as a business major because I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do. And that was just kind of what everybody else, everyone said, oh, I'm majoring in business. So I thought, oh, I should major in business. Um, and I am definitely more of English languages, wow history. I love to write. Um, and that science math part of my brain, while it works, doesn't work as well as the writing side right. of my brain. And so I was taking business courses and I had to take a calculus class and I cried like every day because it just wasn't like my brain's just not set up for that kind of math. Um, and so at Elon, you they have a winter term. And so it's three weeks in January, you can go back to school or you can choose to not take a class then and just go back for second semester. But you take one class for three hours a day for three weeks and you get three credits over with. And so my mom had been an accountant. And so I decided to take accounting one and I knew I could not do business anymore because I really couldn't stand the math. And in this moment of brilliance, as I'm taking this winter course, I thought like, wow, I'm really great at accounting. And so I switched my business major that I was leaving because I wasn't great at math to an accounting major. Uh, <laughs> which was fine until I had to take accounting too. And I was not great at that. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> so I panicked again and thought, well, what do I like to do? And I talked to my advisor and we talked about how I love to write. And he suggested I go into communications. And so I ended up going into the corporate communications major where I did a lot of PR, um, press release writing. And I really loved to do that. And um, some event planning classes, which I also really loved to do. And oh then goodness. when I got out of college, I was trying to figure out how, um, how I would translate those skills into a job. But kind of that corporate dress up every day, nine to five, just didn't feel like what I was looking for. So when I was first living back here after I had my oldest son, 
I was working part-time teaching gymnastics at my gym. I was working part-time at the Gap and um, somebody that I knew was involved with a woman's place and said, there are some jobs available. Why don't you submit your resume? And I actually submitted my resume to be the assistant manager of the thrift store uh, because I had retail experience, but I got a call from the, um, she was the development director at the time, moving up into the associate director position, Ifi Aduba. And she said, I'd like to bring you in for an interview for this development assistant position. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. Um, but she interviewed me and I was really excited about the organization. It really meant something to me. And so I kind of started in fundraising that way. I had no idea what I was doing. I walked in my first day and did not know what it even entailed to ask people for money and them not get something in return, but really had a great mentor in her and, and learned a lot about the, the craft and fell in love with it. That is a great story. And that is just kind of, confirmation and I apologize by the way for Woody Woodpecker in the background for any listeners I ridiculously got a toy that is Woody Woodpecker for my dog and she's now playing with it and when I can get it from her I will get it from her and we will stop hearing this um but really it kind of it's just so interesting how how much of maybe fate and planning and all of that when it kind of comes together it's just um really fascinating to me. So uh, what is something that you, I know you're, you're busy, you have your work and you have kids and you are also a volunteer. What is something that you do every day for yourself? You're like, this is the one thing I'm going to do for me. Is there anything like that? I make my bed. <laughs> you do? That's really good. <laughs> I don't always do that. There, there are a couple of days where it doesn't happen. And then I kind of, I, I feel like, oh, I didn't do that one thing that just makes me feel like there's some sort of semblance of order to my day. If I can make my bed at the beginning of the day, then I know that I've started off in an organized fashion. When I don't do that, then I feel like everything's kind of going off the rails. I'm, sometimes I make my bed and, and Frank, my fiance is still sleeping. So... I only make half of it, <laughs> but as long as my half, I feel better. <laughs> that's, that's great. That is really good. Yeah. I have to get much more, but I have to get better at that. Like I pull it up. <laughs> it doesn't always look, it's not the neatest, but it, as long as it has some semblance of like, there's not a person still sleeping in it or the covers aren't just tossed around, then I feel better. And what is a perfect day for you? That's a great question. And I don't know that a, I don't know that there is a perfect day. I think it looks different every day. I think when I go to bed at night and all four of my kids are safe and sound and quite frankly alive, keeping four boys alive is, um, is challenging. Uh, I have, they're between the ages of eight and 15. So there's a lot of different things that we're dealing with every day. But I think for me, my perfect days are when we get to sit down and have dinner together and we all have very busy schedules. So it doesn't happen every night, but I do love to sit down um, and kind of talk through their days with them. Um, and if we get to do that, then that's a pretty great day for me. Well, speaking of, of that, just having those boys and having your job, how 
did you fare during the pandemic? I mean, we're still in a pandemic, but you know, during maybe the height of the pandemic. It wasn't pretty. Uh, <laughs> we live, um, you know, we live in a smaller house for six of us. There's three bedrooms. There's not a whole lot of space. It, it works for us. It's, I like to call it cozy. Uh, but there was a point where I just thought if I don't have my own space, I might like, I don't know how I'm going to continue to do this. And yeah. so we basically transformed my deck off the back of my house, which I consider an, a four season deck because it has a roof. So it can snow and I can still be outside, even if I'm outside in a snowsuit and a hat. Um, we transformed that into almost like a second sitting room. And that nice. became my space. We have heaters out there. And that was really one of the things that, that kind of kept me yes. sane, I guess. Yes. You have to walk away sometimes. And it was really hard virtual school for the kids was really hard and watching them all try and they all have different ways that they learn and um, different ways that they need to be helped along. And I am not a teacher of children. I love to, to teach what I know to, you know, peers. And I like to run workshops and stuff like that. But when it comes to teaching kids and trying to figure out new math, like, again, we talked about math wasn't really my strong suit. So now trying to learn it in an entirely different way and, you know, write paragraphs about why you, you did this rather than just actually add up the numbers um, was, was hard. And the boys fared pretty well. They're really resilient. That was one thing I, I learned over the pandemic is how resilient kids can be and how they can roll with the punches. Um, the other thing that I learned was that it was important for me to be home for them more. And I had been working a lot in the nonprofit sector and in the for-profit sector too. You, If you're salaried exempt, you work a lot more than 40 hours. And I was spending a lot of time outside of the house working extra hours. And when I was home during the pandemic, I realized that at the ages they are, they really need me home more. And one of the things with my job is I have that flexibility. Now I get to put them on the bus and I get to be home in time for them to get off the bus. And that's made a huge difference in our relationships, in the way that we interact with one another, in the way that the four of them interact with one another as well, because it's not Lord of the Flies, you know, right. in the afternoon. Oh, I totally <laughs> understand. I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so is that what, you know, I, I always have, I keep contemplating what I've learned and I'm still learning actually from this whole period of time. I'm still kind of processing it and learning. Um, is that kind of what you've taken away or one of the things that you've taken away from the pandemic? Most definitely. Uh, I think I've worked since I've had kids, I've always been a full-time employee and kind of, to me, that was what I was supposed to do to help keep my family running and make sure we had a roof over our heads and, and clothes on our back. And my thought was always, they're young now, they have daycare, they have school, like I can be at work because as they get older, I'm going to want to make sure that I'm home. But when I was home with them, I realized I don't want to miss the stuff that they're doing and that's going on with them right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a, a switch, but I just like to ask it, <laughs> you know, you're talking about your child or their childhood. 
uh, about your childhood? Is there any like special childhood memory or can you kind of share anything about your childhood, what your childhood was like, what you were like as a child, what you wanted to be when you grew up? So I grew up 20 minutes north of Boston and my family still all lives up there. I'm the only one that's, that's moved away. I'm the oldest of three. I have a younger sister and a younger brother. Um, and I was very fortunate that my, my family and the close extended family, my grandmother and my uncles, everyone lived within two or three towns of one another. So I grew up with like a very strong family, family dynamic and family bond where, you know, we didn't just see each other on holidays. It was, we did a lot of stuff together. My grandmother lived within walking distance of my house. And so we spent a lot of time at her house. Um, it, you know, I still think back to when we were little, she took us to the Boston symphony orchestra all the time. And she used to take us to the swan boats in the public gardens in Boston. And those are memories that I really love. And when we take the boys up to Boston now, I take them to the swan boats. And I'm fortunate my grandmother is still alive and I still get to talk to her, you know, every week on the phone. Um, But it's great. But it was, it was neat. I love Boston. I love that area. I miss it. Um, I'm glad that my kids get to go up there and visit and kind of see what that area is like. It's a little bit different from here. It's not yeah. terribly different, but I have two of, two of the boys in the house are New England fans for sports, which puts them in a predicament when they wear their Patriots jerseys to school, but they wear them with pride. And I love that. <laughs> yes. And I, I mean, in regards to what I wanted to be when I, like, when I grew up, when I was younger, it changed all the time. I mean, I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a marine biologist. I kind of went through all those iterations of what kids want to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will say I, it never once crossed my mind to, to work in nonprofit and be a fundraiser. That was never yeah. something that even blipped on my radar. No. Well, he would be, he would know. <laughs> I wanted to be like a famous actress. So, and then I was like, well, I guess I'd have to actually learn to act and like all of the things about it, I didn't really want. (laughs) Um, What about an event in your life that shaped you? You know, I think we all have those events that kind of either alter our trajectory or they teach us something that we take forward. Is there anything like that? I think going to college far away from home was, was really one of those defining moments that forced me to be much more independent than I ever thought that I could be. Um, Where I grew up, it's a very small town. People tend to stay there. Um, They go to school at UMass and UNH and they don't really go very far outside of that bubble. And when I was applying to colleges, my mom let me apply to two or three New England schools, but the understanding was that those were only safety schools. Oh, interesting. So she encouraged you to move away. That's impressive. So I applied to school in Pennsylvania, Ohio, North Carolina, um, and ultimately ended up going to North Carolina. And she drove me down and kind of dropped me off. There was no real pomp and circumstance to it, you know, left me a note and I kind of thought, wow, she just kind of 
dropped me and ran. <laughs> and then I was homesick and I would call home all the time. And she kind of stopped answering the phone. And then finally, one day she said, stop calling home all the time. Like, it's going to be okay. But if you keep calling home, you're never going to appreciate the time that you're spending there. You're too worried about what's going on here and you're not paying attention to what's going on there. And, you know, from then I kind of like from that moment, I kind of just hit the ground running and thought I was going to, you know, going to make the best of it. I did a semester in London. So living abroad for four months was, you know, something that I never thought that I could do. And then I really never moved home. So her plan maybe backfired. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? That is really incredible because that takes a lot of strength, I think, as a parent to do that, you know? Yeah. I was always resistant when my oldest was looking at schools. I was like, well, that's far. <laughs> so that I think is really admirable. Um, what about, what's a trait that you look for in a friend or in, what's a trait that you kind of like or admire in other people? Uh, so I really look to surround myself with people who look for the best in other people. I think that we, and I think we've seen it more and more, especially over the pandemic, people assuming that people have nefarious you know, motivations or um, that what they said was meant to be mean or hurtful. And so I really look to surround myself with people that just take a step back and, and take a deep breath before they react and think, is this really what this person means? Or am I coloring it with my own bias? Um, yeah. and, and so, and really my, my network of people are really good about that is is really taking into consider and thinking about intention right intention is so important to me because sometimes things can come off yeah. not the way that you meant for them to and if if people just take a moment to think about is that really what that person intended to do or or intended to make me feel is important to me to give people grace yes not and then what about the trait that you Admire most in yourself. Ooh. I know that's always harder for some reason. <laughs> um, I will tell you, so what I admire most in myself right now is actually a work in progress. It's nothing that um, I have always been, but I'm learning to be more flexible and more fluid with how things happen. And I think with, with four kids, you have to get that way. Um, <clears throat> but for a really long time, if I had a plan and it didn't go that way, I would panic. And it would send me in a tailspin where I just couldn't figure out how to like get myself out of that and kind of rewrite the ship. And so I've been working really hard on, on trying to roll with the punches. And my kids have been a big inspiration in that and watching them during shutdown and um, during virtual learning and, and watching them have a vision of what something might be. And then it wasn't that at all. And then really kind of shifting their own attitudes and their own way of dealing with it so that it worked out okay. 
Um, and how about like who are people that you admire? Can you think of a person or people that you hold esteem for or you admire? Oh, there are a lot of people that I that I admire. Uh, I think I admire people that want to make the world a better place, just even a little bit, right? The, I admire the person in the Starbucks drive-through that pays it forward and buys the coffee for the person behind them. Because while that doesn't seem like a big deal to them, right? It just did one thing to make what like give somebody a you know one moment of happiness or where they felt like somebody else cared about them and that can change the trajectory of an, a person's entire day which can then have that ripple effect right you throw a stone in a pond and then it ripples out it can change the trajectory of the world yeah yeah okay so your favorites favorite um book favorite book um well, I love To Kill a Mockingbird. That's probably oh, yeah. one of my, my very favorites. Uh, but I just recently read a book by the female comedian Eliza Schlesinger called Girl Logic. And that is a fantastic book. Oh, yes. You mentioned that to me. I have to get that. Um, favorite, and this might, you know, don't worry if nothing comes to mind, we can skip it. But do you have a favorite quote or a quote that you like or? something that just comes to mind when you think of uh, a quote hmm. or a mantra or even something that you tell yourself, like something um, like I have different things. I'll have a quote, but then I could, I could never think of one right now, Jenny. So that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> well, so back to that flexibility and, and working on that. I think something that I say to myself kind of over and over again is don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. And yeah. and what might feel really big in that moment based on just how my day is going in the grand scheme of things might be much smaller. And so I just have to keep reminding myself to to not sweat the small stuff and and I tell that to my kids all the time too. Um favorite meal. Uh my favorite meal is is a, an artichoke like just a steamed artichoke with, really? with lemon butter that I could live on those. Okay. You might be the only one. I'm just suggesting that, <laughs> but I'll try it. Favorite destination. Um, I love London. I want to go back there. Oh, um, yeah. I do love London and uh, Charleston, South Carolina. It's one of my favorites. Oh, nice. Do you have a favorite movie? I know you have a type. Do you have one that? My favorite movie is Shawshank Redemption. Oh, nice. And then what about best advice you were ever given? I think <clears throat> best advice I was ever given is to go back to that story about being in college in North Carolina. And if I'm so worried about what's going on elsewhere, I'm not present and in the moment. And so like being present is really important and, and paying attention to what's going on around you and what you are experiencing rather than what other people are experiencing because otherwise you'll miss a whole lot of awesome stuff. Do you have any sense of what people get wrong about you? Yes. 
Um, (laughs) For as much as I work with people, for as much as I, um, you know, am kind of a public face for the organizations that I work with, I am actually very shy. And so it takes me a little while to warm up. Like networking events are my worst nightmare because I feel comfortable interrupting conversations. Um, I always, you know, I have to really work on my self-talk because I always just assume that what people are talking about is much more important than what I would have to say to them. Um, And so sometimes I can come across as cold uh, and people think that I am either disinterested in them or icy. Um, for lack of a better term. And actually, I hate that term, I see, because I think that's only used for females. And so I really need to, I don't think- Oh, that's so interesting. Um, yeah, you're right. But I think, and, I, and, and people have said it to me. I mean, some of my best friends have said to me, when we first met you, <laughs> you we just thought that you were angry. <laughs> But it was. It was oh, that's I, funny. I was, I was shy. What about? I, I think it's so great because it's so interesting. That question is, I didn't realize that was a hard question until I started asking it as part of this podcast. And then um, I've realized that it is a hard question for some people. So I'm just ha- impressed that you know, you know, because some people kind of don't have. A thought, but you've had people share with you too. So that's helpful. Um, and then finally, what are your, you know, hopes for yourself and for, um, for others? Like, what are your hopes and dreams for yourself? And then what do you wish if you had a magic wand and you could make everybody do something in the world, like, what would it be? Um, so my hope for myself, my dream is that like, I really am making a difference that, that the work that I'm doing and not just the work professionally, but you know, how I'm raising my kids and how I interact with people and, you know, volunteer work that I do really truly is making the world a better place and the community that I live in a better place for my kids to go to school, to live, to maybe one day work. Um, Not in like a, a, a big way, but even just tiny changes to the world. And that's my hope is that the world, one day when I'm no longer here, the world will be a little bit of a better place because I was in existence at one point. Um, And then for other people, I, I go back to that, you know, paying attention to intentions. And I just hope that, you know, if things feel so polarized right now, not just politically, but kind of everything feels polarized. And I really hope that people can start to take a step back and look and, and realize that it's it's not black and white. It's not us versus them in, in any shape. That doesn't work ever. You know, there, there's always gray areas and there's always ways to compromise and, and hear other people's thoughts and and learn to grow from those. And I really hope that people kind of step back and think about people's intentions and realize that not everybody is attacking somebody else. Yeah, I love that. It's true. I mean, honestly, even sometimes when I park 
because I'm a horrible parker, I think, oh shoot, I hope nobody takes a picture of this and posts my car, you know, because people get so just angry about even the little things. And I know it's so, it's crazy. It really is crazy. That expends so much energy, right? That, that, that energy of being angry and then making a point to let everybody know why you're angry and that person that wronged you or didn't actually wrong you, but you felt did some sort of wrong. It it takes a lot of energy. I actually, I was talking to one of my sons the other day and he was talking about how he hated somebody. And I said, well, that's a really strong word. I was like, and that's like a very emotional word and something that is very emotionally draining to actually put in the effort to hate somebody. I'm like, why don't you tell me what it is that, like, what's the reason that you hate him? And he, he, he talked about some stuff and I said, while I'm not, I don't want to diminish your feelings, what you're saying to me doesn't sound like something that warrants hatred. It can, it can warrant dislike like that person's not my cup of tea and you don't actually have to be friends with that person or interact with them at all but by expending that energy to hate him and tell people that you hate him you're just making yourself darker like you're you're putting out the light in you for that that's so well said well you need to share that jenny (laughs) with with a lot of people (laughs) That's true. But you know what? Actually, that's exactly right. That it's the perfect person with whom you're sharing it. Because I was in a conversation with a couple of friends recently and we said, you know, really first start with yourself and then your little corner. So the fact that you're raising these kids with those thoughts and, and with that information is so powerful. So, well, thank you for doing this. Thank you for indulging me. Thank you for being on the podcast and being so thoughtful and open. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. When, when you mentioned it, I got so excited. So Yes, well, you know, <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to do. And I really love the people who are just willing to participate in this. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity. This is a lot of fun. Thanks, Jenny. Hey, thanks for listening. Giant thank you goes out to show advisor, Roseanne Griffiths, the talented musician, Bill Aronson, who wrote, produced, performed the Soulful Connections theme song. And a thank you goes out to Brad Sanders for creating the Soulful Connections logo. Love it. That's new this year. So much gratitude to these guys and to my friends and family who continue to listen and guide me. And once again, to you for listening. I would love to hear from you. Please shoot me an email at soulfullife at gmail.com. That's S-O-L-F-U-L-L-I-F-E at gmail.com.